0: Here we go. Welcome to the Morning Brew with Stu. As always, I'm your host, Stuart Brooking. And my guest today is a guy who's been on here once before. He's a local broadcaster in Indianapolis. He serves many hats, including the preseason TV voice of the Indianapolis Colts and their post game host for every game after the Indianapolis Colts play. It is Greg Rakeshaw. Greg, thanks for coming back on. Good morning, buddy. Thanks for having me back on the program. No problem. The last time we were here, we talked about broadcasting, but today we're going to talk about the Indianapolis Colts. And this is where I want to begin because last year, towards the beginning of the year, I can't remember specifically what game it was. And I remember this because I had Naheem Hines on my team and he went on my fantasy team, and he went off in receptions. And then we kind of didn't throw the football his way the rest of the year. You've been covering the team. You've been around them. They've been in training camp. Does it look like he'll be getting more receptions this year? What kind of role do you think Naheem Hines will play in this Colts offense?
1: Naheem is as much of a wide receiver as he is a running back at this point. Um, In, in terms of – say OTAs primarily he was being used as a slot receiver um in training camp he has lined up a bit more as a running back um uh, but I still think that that his value is to be on the field at the same time as Jonathan Taylor and clearly his skill set also offsets one of the issues this Colts team has which is being unproven at wide receiver after Michael Pittman Jr so uh, fantasy owners of Naheem Hines rejoice. I think Naeem's going to get a lot more touches this year than it did in, in 2021.
0: And that leads me down to my next question. This wide receiver position has been one that a lot of people have had questions about. You know, there's Paris Campbell, who in the little bit that he played showed fantastic ability to do things, but that's it. I mean, he hasn't been healthy. You know, like, that's that been the question has been when he's been healthy. There's a lot of question marks with this wide receiver position, what, what are you hearing and what have you seen so far from, from this group from the Indianapolis Colts so far in the training camp?
1: The idea has been is that there is young talent there and you want to give them the opportunity to succeed. Uh, And so clearly the biggest question mark is Paris Campbell, you know, can he stay healthy? He's looked good in camp. The day that you and I are having this conversation is an off day for the Colts the day before Paris Campbell didn't practice because he felt some tightness in his hamstring. Um, and, and again, you just worry about that cascading effect. If if there's an injury, you know, what does it mean for his future? You invest draft capital, in Alec Pierce, And Again, Pierce has looked good, but how much do you expect from him as a rookie? And can he come in and be your number two or number three? Uh, Ashton Doolin has made some plays and Doolin's a player. They are high on and Doolin's a guy that has, significant special team's value. And so I, I, I think, you know, he's your number four and number five. Can he potentially grow into more than that? You know, time will tell. Um, and I do think that if the right veteran is available, this could be a spot where the Colts look to add somebody towards the end of training camp or very early in the season. Um, but, but as it stands now, you like Pittman as your one. Naeem Hines really is going to be the equivalent of like your two or three receiver at this point. You just simply hope for the best for Paris Campbell, get some big plays out of dueling when you can, uh, hope for the development of Alec Pierce and just know that the strength of the run game in theory is going to help make what is largely an average wide receiver core that that run game will make them a bit stronger.
0: I want to go there. I want to go to that run game. Um, Jonathan Taylor. He's been great to say anything less than that would be, you know, insane, but you know, there is, I would have to think kind of a, not necessarily a fear, but at least a hesitance to keep giving him the football as much as you're giving him the football. Cause you don't want to run the, the tread off the tires. You don't want to beat him up and you don't want to be where the Titans were last year without Derrick Henry. When Frank Wright came from Philadelphia. They had that running back by committee type of approach. Are we going to see that in Indianapolis more this year? Is there any expectations to kind of pull back off of JT this year or, or are they just going to keep feeding them the rock?
1: If you look at the first half of last year, if you listen to any of the post game shows that I did, the complaints that I got the most were why isn't Jonathan Taylor getting the ball more. And as the year went along, and the offense realized, hey, it's, it's feed JT. That's what they did. And he was so much more of a workhorse. Again, I will point to the victory at home against the great Satan, that being the New England Patriots. Carson went through for 41 yards, had five completions. The Colts still won the game. You can do that when you get to the pay window portion of the schedule. You can do that when conditions dictate you have to do that on on say a night, like the game against the Niners where you're playing in the midst of a monsoon. You understand if somebody carries the ball 30, 35 times on a night like that, sometimes conditions dictate you're going to do that, but you can't do it every week. And so I think that's what Matt Ryan of all the things he brings to the table for this football team. You can complete the short passing game. And a lot of what you've got with four and five yard handoffs at times, Jonathan Taylor, can be a four yard pass to Kylan Granson or a seven yard hookup to Paris Campbell. And so, will Jonathan Taylor be one of the best running backs in the National Football League this year? I believe that. Will Jonathan Taylor get the number of touches he did a year ago? No, he will not, because this will go back to being the Frank Reich spread it around take what's available offense. And because I think Matt Ryan is a perfect fit for that scheme at this point in his career, there will be a lesser workload for Jonathan Taylor until we get later in the season. And then if conditions dictate, Hey, JT's going to touch it as many times as uniform number today. So be it. But I honestly think that to start the year, you will see more of the 15 to 20 touch a game performances from Jonathan Taylor, just trying to, to maintain the mileage on what is clearly a ferrari a bugatti a lamborghini insert whatever you know a port what whatever sort of, of 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 unbelievable race car you want to throw in there that's what jonathan taylor is for this football team
0: yeah and you know i think we saw that a lot with philip rivers the year rivers was there i mean that first half of the year we were throwing the ball a lot and it was you know it was kind of like I you know, I was with some of the fans, like, why are we not handing the ball off more, running it more, those types of things, JT's rookie year, and then he really got going. And so, you know, would it be too far to say that, you know, the offense will probably mimic what we saw in 2020 as opposed to 2021? No, I
1: mean, not at all. Uh, and, and again, I, I think Ryan does the things that Philip Rivers did, but he will do them with more of an ability to throw the deep ball on the regular basis. And while there's not going to be designed runs for Philip Rivers, I'm sorry, for Matt Ryan, um, There, he has the ability to at least move his feet enough to keep the play going. And so, no, how this offense behaved in 2020, I think is exactly how the Colts want it to behave in 2022. And again, knowing you're going to give Jonathan Taylor the ball, a, you know, a set number of times each game, just because stats bear out, one of those 15 or 20 carries are going to go the distance are going to be kind of a a, a home run type of play. Jonathan Taylor, what you're trying to do is not run him into the ground to make sure he is effective when you need him the most at the end of December, early January, and hopefully deeply into the month of January.
0: When we talk about Matt Ryan, you know, we've, I've heard it all over the place. That's been the thing with Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson has been last year with Matthew Stafford and the Tom Brady comparisons two years ago, his first year there on their new teams. That's likely the expectation here for the Indianapolis Colts and and what they want out of Matt Ryan. I mean, they brought in a guy who, as Jim Merce says, can hit the layups, right? And not really, you know, he's not a guy that's going to cost you some games as far as that goes, and I believe he's also still a guy who's got a lot in the tank where if you say, Matt, come out and win us some games, he can do it where what's the vibe you're getting from inside the organization and what they expect from Matt Ryan?
1: That he is living up to expectations so far. Um, Again, great leadership, great decision-making, just solid, um, consistent, uh, which is what you didn't get with Wentz. Um, You got some great things with Wentz. Uh, You got the ability to improvise when need be, but Carson didn't know when to say, Hey, it's, it's, it's hadn't to the next play. Um, and while again, it's, if you look at the numbers last year and I can literally hear Zach Kiefer's voice saying this, cause he is, he is quick to, to, to say this in a media room, 27 and seven. Wasn't the Colts record last year. That was Carson Wentz's touchdown to interception 27 and seven. If you say that you go, man, quarterback played really well. And your eyeballs would tell you something completely different at key times. You know, when I think of of a negative Carson Wentz play, the Tennessee game at home in overtime comes by not the fumble. Because again, even though it wasn't the way you would design it, you could argue that fumble that with Tennessee scoring gave the Colts the ball back in time to make a play to get that game to overtime. Wasn't a great play, but circumstances just kind of said, all right, Live with that. Move on. Let's, let's go on to the next play. You can't throw that ball where you cannot. And I know Jonathan Taylor was open. elsewhere on the field. Don't you? That's fine. You can't throw it. Worry through it. You cannot throw that ball. Uh, You think of potentially, um, you know, turnovers early in the second half in the game against the Buccaneers on Thanksgiving weekend, when you had a chance to win that game and you couldn't get the job done. What Matt Ryan's got to avoid doing is having those plays. And I think that he will, um, Matt Ryan will be asked, I'm sure, a couple of times to go win a football game for the Indianapolis Colts this year. But he's not going to be asked to win football games every week. It is going to be do your job. G- you know, be a part of the plan. Um, be a huge cog in the offense. But it's not like this number two has to go on and make plays that will win it for his football team. He's, he's got other great playmakers around him get the ball, in the right place, at the right time. And, and largely the scheme and the system will take care of itself.
0: I wanted to ask you one final question on the offensive side of the ball. Then we'll, we'll focus on defense, but the tight end position, you know, you look at it the last couple of years, there was the pro bowler, Jack, Jack Doyle was there. Now he's retired and he's moved on. The Colts have Mo Alley Cox who has been in the system for a while. And then I kind of, a bunch of question marks, a lot like the wide receiver position. I mean, there's Jelani Woods, who's a rookie this year. There was Granson. There's Ogletree, who I hear is impressing in training camp outside of Mo' Alley-Cox. What is the expectation or what can we expect from the tight end position for the Indianapolis Colts this year?
1: You know, there, was, there were the three obvious needs that the Colts had in terms of the draft that they addressed, you know, one, two, three from a positional standpoint, wide receiver, left tackle, and, and tight end. I put tight end third just because you can kind of mask, you know, lack of receiving depth or playmaking ability at the tight end position, you know, wide receiver and left tackle are have to have it. And sometimes playmaking tight ends can be a a luxury. It makes your offense a lot better when you have them. But if you've got talent at wide receiver, if you are great along the offensive line, if you are the holder of one of the most unique talents in the National Football League as a running back, I put tight end third. Um, I'm not sure there's going to be any of those four tight ends that will have a dominant or breakout season. But I think they all have their role to play, and their part to contribute. One of the things that you note when you see the tight ends, not named Kylan Granson, is that those dudes are huge. Mimali mean, Cox is 6'7", 260. Um, Jelani Woods is taller than Mo. Um You throw you throw Ogletree, in. and Ogletree has been a guy that has been, frankly, a surprise, and he's, he's gotten some reps ahead of Jelani Woods, to be blunt about it. Um, you know, and and made some really interesting catches. Granson was a guy that was largely a non-factor last year, and they are going to line him up as a slot receiver, I think, as much, kind of a hybrid uh, as they will have him at the tight end spot, or they will use him as an H-back slash fullback um, at his size. So it's one of those things where the, the expectation is is that the sum of the parts is greater together than they are as individuals. So I'm not sure there's going to be a tight end that say has more than 40 catches for the Colts this year, but you'll see all these guys used at different times and in different roles um, to kind of, you know, add together, but know this, when you've got Pittman, when you've got Taylor, when you've got Hines, again, you don't have to have a guy that is a a, a dominant pass catching tight end because of where the ball is going to go elsewhere at other times for this football team. My concern is, can you have a guy that was anywhere near as good of a blocker as Jack Doyle was? You know, Jack's pass-catching numbers had gone downhill. Jack's best year was in 2016, uh, you know, with Andrew Luck, where he had 80 catches, I want to say, in that year. Jack wasn't that guy anymore. But Jack was still one of the most elite blockers from the tight end position. And I would often joke that Jack's real role was he was the left-left tackle. The left tackle needed help. You know, Jack was your guy. And can, is Mo that level of blocker? He can be other guys are young. I mean, two rookies and, and, and a second year guy. And so you don't expect them to be as good of blockers, you know, as, as Jack was. So to me, that more than even pass catching is the area where you go, Hey, the young guy's got to pick it up quickly because Doyle was so good on those wham blocks uh, on, on just helping out the left tackle when needed, et cetera.
0: When we look at the, the defensive side of the ball. And you go to last year, you look at it, there were different points in times, the Ravens game, the Jets game, where you were like, if the defense just locks it down or maybe they switch some things up scheme-wise defense, the Colts walk out with a win or a more impressive win versus the Jets where, you know, you saw Josh Johnson, who was literally the third guy there for the Jets, marching down the field late in the game. And the Colts had a 14-point lead, but he makes one or two throws and it's a seven point lead and we could be talking about a different ball game and the Ravens you were up and they come back and they win when when you look at this defensively with Matt Eberflew's now gone and he did a lot of great things bringing that defense to a place honestly it wasn't even there with Peyton at times I mean Peyton I remember he, he went to the playoffs I think he went to the Super Bowl with a defense that was 32nd second ranked in the league and then they picked it up in the playoffs and what Eberflus had done to that defense where it was top 10 at different points in times throughout the last couple of seasons. And now he's gone in Chicago and you bring in Gus Bradley. What can you expect from this defense under Gus Bradley and, and some of the different pieces that they have brought in?
1: And this is not to not Gus Bradley or Matt Eberflus. It is much more about the Jimmies and the Joes than the X's and the O's having a guy like Yanni can uh, solidifies your pass rush. Having Ngakwe out there makes DeForest Buckner's job so much easier in the middle of that defense. I think Grover Stewart is, is, is going to be one of the better kind of second defensive tackles in the league, if you will. He, he does his job in terms of, of plugging the run game exceedingly well. I do think you will see you know more progress. It's, it's fair to expect that from year one to year two for guys like Pay, as well as uh, for Dio Dengbo. So I, I, think the, I think the front four, there's some question marks. Maybe you say guys seven and eight, some unknown pieces that are going to fit into that eight-man rotation. But I like the guys, say, one through six, throw Tyquan Lewis in there, kind of at spot number six, recovering from that fluke injury, patella tendon tearing uh, in the game against the Titans in October last year. Um, I, I think the Colts up front can be really solid. I love the on Gilmore pickup. And again, is he the guy that he was five or six years ago? Probably not. Is he still as good as the Colts have had a cornerback since, say, maybe the days of Avante Davis early in his time with the Indianapolis Colts? Yeah, I think Gilmore is that guy, and he has looked tremendous in practice. Um, you know, we'll see how this Colts defense responds and the potential of having Shaquille Leonard out at the start of the year. Um, but they are experienced at linebacker and guys that know this locker room. You know, Zaire Franklin has basically been a backup for four years. He's going to be a starter now. Um and 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 he will slide in to replace Darius Leonard from a uh you know kind of from a call standpoint and and from being the the quarterback of the defense. What can we see from Bobby O'Karake this year? Uh Nick Cross, I think, is gonna win the 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 starting safety job opposite Julian Blackman. Um, you know, the third-round draft pick whom they traded up to get uh from the University of Maryland. The 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 story of Julian Blackman, you know, recovering from his Achilles tear from last October. You would never know he was hurt. Uh, you worry about the fact that he's had a couple of significant injuries dating back to his last year of college in the last three years, but he's going to be the free safety. And in this defense, you know, you're really the center fielder. You are the last line of defense. You'll see more numbers in the box than you saw in your gut. Matt Eberflus He's going to be on Blackman to cover for any mistakes that, that get made and use kind of his ball hawking ability, playmaking speed. Uh, to showcase, and so I think there's some depth questions to this defense, but in terms of a starting 11, I think this can be as good of a group as you have seen. Will Gus Bradley make an impact? Sure. you know. Obviously, Gus is well-known for his days directing the Legion of Boom uh, You know, 10 years ago with Seattle. Um, schematically, there, there are some differences, not a lot, but again, I, I always defer to, hey, having a guy that called a game plan is one thing having the guys to go execute the game plan is the most important thing. And I do think in the starting lineup, Stuart, I I think this group has has it put together.
0: The secondary has been kind of an issue for the Colts. I mean, you talked about some of the the guys that they've, you know, Julian Blackman is really an upgrade. I mean, you look at Stefan Gilmore kind of from what I'm hearing from guys like Zach Kiefer and some of the others, he's really been the star of Colts training camp, but, you know, outside of guys like Stefan Gilmore and Kenny Moore, you know, Isaiah Rogers comes to mind. But then, yep. like you said, there are a lot of question marks as far as those corners go. Can you kind of talk to me as, about who, we el- who else we can expect to come out from the corner position for Indianapolis?
1: I, I would say there's, there's question marks about cornerback depth, not about the starters. You are Gilmore, Kenny Moore, and then is it, is it facing the veteran you brought in? Is it Isaiah Rogers? I mean, both those guys gonna, are going to be, you know, part of the equation. You know, who's kind of the starter opposite Gilmore when you slot, you know, Kenny Moore inside? Uh, I think there's question marks in terms of, of depth at safety. Uh, you know, Nick Cross is still in a job battle with Rodney McLeod, another veteran that was brought in from a safety position. But there will probably be a largely unknown player kind of behind Julian Blackman behind there. So there's there's a spot open at the safety position. You know, the Colts have almost had the same six linebackers the last two years. Uh, no Glasgow this year, no Matthew Adams. Uh, so there's going to be a, a couple of unknown guys that are your backups and special teamers. But again, you look at your first three or four with an, with a healthy Shaquille Leonard in the mix there. Talking about guys that are largely special teamers, whether it's Sterling Weatherford from Miami Ohio and from Hamilton Heights High School, or whether it's uh, Doman, uh, the young man that uh, is from the University of Nebraska that seemingly – you know, has a beat on that fifth or sixth linebacker spot right now. So if if your defensive question marks are about who's your last safety, who's your last cornerback, who's kind of your backups at defensive tackle, you're in a pretty good spot if those are the question marks you have. If you believe you've got a solid 11 to, say, 15, knowing that normally 18 to 20 will play in a given game defensively, you can figure that part out after Chris Ballard because you have the, the key questions of, do I have a difference maker defensive tackle? Yes, you do, DeForest Buckner. Do I have a difference maker in the pass rush? Yes, you do, and Yannick Ngakwe. Do I have a playmaker at linebacker? Yes, you do, Shaq Leonard. He's hurt, but now let's see when he's going to come back. Do you have a playmaker in the defensive backfield? You got a couple of them in terms of Kenny Moore, Stephon Gilmore. I think Julian Blackman can be, can be that guy as well. So the question marks of the Colts are simply, Shaquille's back and depth and if those are your two questions you're in a far better position than a lot of teams in the National Football League
0: and for those of you who don't know and they're, you're sitting there like who's Shaquille Darius yep. Leonard had now wants to be called Shaquille Leonard that is his real name hey I think Darius was his middle name, if I'm not mistaken. And that's what he had kind of gone by. So now he wants to be called Shaquille. So that's what he will be called. Flip those, Shaquille Leonard.
1: Flip Shaquille is his middle name. Okay. He, but So that's why Darius was kind of what, because people went by his first name. Middle name is Shaquille, but went by Shaquille growing up in college, et cetera. So if you look at his Twitter handle, DS Leon, Darius Shaquille Leonard, but he went by where his middle name and Shaquille. And trust me, when I'm doing the broadcast the next three Saturdays, I will have an index card de- donated or dedicated just to Darius. It's going to say Shaq, as if you reference Darius Leonard, say Shaq, not Darius.
0: All right, just to get, just wanted to get that out of the way for those listening that didn't quite catch that. One final question here: The Colts start off the the preseason versus the Buffalo Bills. The preseason, you you get to see a lot of you know, of the guys who are either going to who are either fighting for starting jobs or fighting to be on the roster. Who are some guys that, you know, we may not know of right now. We may not hear the name very often. And we may not hear it weeks one through seventeen or eighteen or nineteen or however far the Colts play, but are some guys that, you know, are fringe guys that may make some impact this year, like Ashton Ashton Doolin did. Early on in his career, and now he's really become a focus point of this offense and and for the Colts.
1: You know, as as far as you know, kind of the the, the battles, so to speak, um, to look for the rest of training camp. Safety depth, cornerback depth, linebacker depth, defensive tackle depth. Um, maybe whom your eighth and ninth offensive linemen are going to be. Do they carry four running backs? Does Dion Jackson make the active roster? they carry six wide receivers, um, in other words, if they carry five, I think it comes down to Kiki QT and, uh, and, and, and Desmond Patman likely for that fifth position. I think that's really what you're looking for, um, in, in terms of say fringe guys, uh, do I think there's going to be an undrafted free agent make the team this year? Probably. Um, do I, do I think there is going to be a guy that kind of comes out of nowhere to make this team at a skill position spot. I probably don't. I think you maybe see more of that along the defensive side of things, just because even the guys that are backups are guys either were draft picks this year or guys like Doolin that have been on the roster for the last few years. Even if it's a guy like Desmond Patman, it's his third year with the team. He hadn't done much um, other than catch that touchdown pass from Carson Wentz and the victory against the Arizona Cardinals on Christmas night. Um, but, but he's at least been around. So, you know, this is not an outsider reference from like when you were in diapers, uh, this is not Dominique Rhodes making the team in 2001 as an undrafted free agent, and then having like an eight, nine year career in the national football league and being a key piece on a Super Bowl championship, you know, team for the Colts some five years later. I'm not sure if I see that guy in this group, but I do think again, just kind of the way the roster math adds up. There's going to be a guy at safety that people haven't heard of. They go, oh, that guy's on our team. A couple of guys at linebacker that go, hey, I'm not familiar with that guy. Again, one of them could be a hometown kid and the Weatherford kid. And so that, you know, he's a little bit more of a known commodity. just because he went to Hamilton Heights High School. And there'll be a couple of young guys at the defensive tackle think, that make this team as well that people may not know now, but they will probably get a chance to showcase their skills so much the next three Saturdays there'll be more household names because Lord knows Rick and I'll be talking about them extensively the next three Saturday nights.
0: I know I said that was a final question, but this one really is.
1: I do that broadcaster lie all the time. Don't feel bad. about
0: <laughs> it. When it comes to, uh, you know, I want to go back to offense and it comes to the quarterback position. Obviously the Colts have, um, Matt Ryan, then they have their life insurance policy and Nick Foles, but then there's kind of that, that third quarterback. And Sam Ellinger has been on the team for a little bit. You know, I think this is his second year coming in, but then there's the kid from, from Notre Dame and Jack Cone. And what can the Colts expect or or Colts fans expect? Do the Colts keep three? Do they, do they put two on the practice squad? What, what can we expect from that battle for, I guess, technically the third spot
1: to answer your last two questions? No. And no, they're, they're not going to keep three. Um, The only reason you would keep three would be as for some reason, you feel you want to have a running quarterback package for Sam Ellinger against a specific opponent. And I think you could do that by bringing him up on the practice squad. And the only way that I think that you would do that would be if you had a remarkably healthy team, because normally on your 53 man roster, there's a handful of guys that are injured and aren't going to play. If you get to a week where, hey, there's only one or two guys you're kind of holding back, you know, from that group, knowing you really dressed really 46, you know, on, on a specific game day um, because of healthy inactives and stuff like that. Then maybe you bring up Ellinger from the practice squad for a specific game. But that's really being down in the weeds and creative. Um, there's things I like about Sam Ellinger. And from a Colts standpoint, uh, Cone has, has looked okay. You know, those guys get, get a good amount of throws in terms of um, drills. When it comes to 7-on-7 seven seven or 11-v-11, 11 11, those two guys are splitting like a rep or two at the end, and that's it. Um, and my guess would be it's Ryan and, and Foles, 1-2, Ellinger's on the practice squad, and Cohn's looking to hook on with somebody else. Um, the Colts have this remarkable luxury in having two quarterbacks on the roster that have played in a Super Bowl, and one of them has won, and he's not the starter. And so there really isn't a need to carry a third quarterback. And with that, I would expect Allen on the practice squad and Cone to be looking, you know, to be gainfully employed someplace else. Unless Jack really outplays Sam in the three preseason games. Because I think you will see a good amount of time for both of those guys especially in weeks two and three. I'm really curious to see how much Nick Foles plays in the preseason because I think Matt Ryan's going to get a series or two in game one, maybe a series or two in game three. And that sounds like reverse logic. Frank Reich has said the starters aren't going to get to play much in in week number two. And the reason being is that they're going to practice against the lions on Wednesday and Thursday going into that game. So the ones will get their reps on Wednesday and Thursday. You're going to see the twos, the threes, and the fours in that first home preseason game against the Lions on Saturday the 20th. I do think you'll see more of the starters this Saturday against Buffalo than you normally would because of that. And so I think at most, Matt Ryan plays three series or four in the preseason. Do you give Nick Foles that same treatment? Knowing he's a 10-year vet, knowing what he can do, You know, maybe he gets a series or two more. Other than that, it's going to be Ellinger and and, and Cone. So I do think that those two guys are legitimately in a battle for the third quarterback position on this football team. But that third position is on the practice squad and not on the active roster.
0: Well, Greg, thank you for coming back on. Thank you for talking Indianapolis Colts with me. And I wish you a bunch of luck with the broadcast this Saturday as the Colts play host to the Buffalo Bills at 4 p.m. Eastern. I'll be listening. I'll be tuning in. And again, a big thank you for doing this.
1: Anytime, Stuart. My pleasure.
0: For those of you listening at home, I hope you have a great day, great night, great afternoon, whatever it is. You have a good one and I'll see you next week.